Man, there's so much hope in the room this morning, is there not? I, I, I felt the hope rising in me, not, not since this morning when I got here even, but last night. And I want to tell you why. I, I was thinking about that verse when it says, these signs will follow those who believe in me, that you'll cast out demons, you'll speak in every other tongue, and, and then there's this next part that really boggled my mind. It said, you will pick up serpents, and you will drink poison, and it will not harm you. And then you'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. I was, but I was thinking about, like, the poison and the serpents, and what in the world? <laughs> and, and it led me to believe all through last night and this morning. I thought, man, Satan hates this day so much. Because that serpent, that poison is meant to kill you. It's meant to kill your dreams. It's meant to kill your soul. It's meant to kill everything that you're meant to be prosperous at on this earth. But man, today, as we celebrate that Jesus destroyed every plan of the enemy, woo! let that hope rise. So... If that didn't get you, I bet it will by the end of the day. So God, we just thank you that as we celebrate the rising of your, of your, your beloved son, Jesus, that darkness can't stand being here. The devil can't stand being here. And as we leave this place today, that no work of the enemy can succeed as long as we carry that hope with us. Hallelujah. And just to clarify, I don't usually think about what the devil's thinking about. But man, today, I just think he hates this. I mean, there's 300 people here today probably tuning in online and here. But there's also every situation those 300 people carry that hope has to fill. That Jesus has to be in. And that is, whew. Man, the Satan hates this day. So, yeah, but we love it, and Jesus loves it. So you can greet the person next to you. Find someone new. If you don't recognize someone, say hi. We're going to move on with our service. All right, as everybody's getting settled in, the ushers, they'll be uh, meandering about with envelopes. If you want a receipt for your giving today, if you're giving cash, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're giving cash or need a receipt for your giving, uh, raise your hand, give a signal to the ushers, um, and they will give you an envelope. We have different ways to give, as you'll see on the screen. You can mail a check later on if, if you just didn't remember something today. Or you can text to give, or if you're, if you're visiting us online, uh, I believe you're looking at the same screen we are. Um, but, man, I just, to go along with the day... I just want everybody to know that whatever financial situation you are in, how many of you know that Easter kind of fell right around a, another special day? And it has to do with taxes. And so, I don't know, something to do with taxes. But uh, anyways, I just I want us to all in this room know that the Lord has authority over your finances. And as long as you're faithful to give, and as long as you are seeking first his kingdom in this earth, man, nothing can, nothing can ruin the plan that he has for you to prosper. 
And so today with your tithe in hand and your offerings, let's just declare that. Let's have hope arise for every financial situation that we have in this room and for this body as well. God, I just thank you that uh, you, you have caused us to be a prosperous church and you have caused every person, every member of this body to be prosperous as well. That it's uh, to glorify you and to be a blessing in our community. And Lord, we just know that any work of the enemy has been totally deleted from our future today. That as we lift up uh, your authority and you on the throne of our finances today, that nothing can stop us from uh, reaching unlimited heights in your kingdom. Amen. All right, ushers, you may uh, pass the offering containers. I have a few announcements today. Um, we have Karen coming from the Ukraine, which is amazing. So happy to have Karen. Uh, Steve talked a little bit about Karen last week, about how energetic he is and just a, a light from where he comes from. And he's going to be ministering to us on Wednesday, April 27th. And we will have everybody here. It's a family service. Everybody is welcome. So be here at 6 early, but the meeting will start at 6.30. We'll have worship, and Karen will be ministering to us. We also have youth camp and kids camp coming up. Um, if you know of any youth or any, any kids, uh, man, get them on the list. It's coming up in June. Uh, June 5th through the 12th is youth camp, and we have Brandon Rice coming. He's uh, coming all the way from... Weaverville in California, and we've had him in the past, and he's got such a great pastoral heart and an activating type of ministry that is very relatable, and oh, it's, the teens are going to love it. And so if you know any teens, uh, please help, help them to get to that camp because that is going to be an amazing time. And the kids' camp is June 27th through the 29th, and that is going to be Another one of Ryan's amazing and Leah's amazing extravagant camps. I don't know anybody who does it better than those two. And so uh, get your kids there. They will never forget it. And it's just going to be a really good time. So again, June 5th through the 12th for the youth and June 27th through the 29th for the kids. And they're coming up fast. All right, at this point, um, I'm going to invite Steve up and he's going to share with us. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> well, happy Resurrection Day to everybody. It's great to have you here. I think we should stand one more time. And I want you to tell somebody that you know, somebody that you know that you're here, you know this person, that you, that, how awesome they are and how glad God put them in your life. Go ahead and do it right now. You've got 30 seconds. All right, you may be seated. Happy Resurrection Day. I just thought you needed to tell somebody how awesome they were because God thinks you're awesome. Amen. He really does. He really thinks a lot of you. It's hard to describe how much he thinks about you, but um, I just want to make one more announcement um, on May 4th, it's a Wednesday night, we're going to have like a meet and greet. If, you, if you're new to the church, 
uh, even if you've come for a while, but you're still kind of wondering about the church or whatever, um, we're going to have like a, a little dinner at 6.30 right here at the church. It's the staff is going to be here. We're going to just kind of give you some information, more information about the church, give you the opportunity to meet us. But um, we do need you to sign up. So uh, Dave, did Dave get raptured? <laughs> Dave's usually there. He, isn't that something? When I was a kid, you know, they used to always scare us into the rapture. And, and if I came home and my mom was gone, I'd go, uh-oh. I didn't make it. I, this is, I'm not making this story up. I would think of the person that's the most holy that I could think of, and I would call them, and then when they'd answer, I'd hang up. <laughs> thought, well, they made it, so they're still here. It's, but anyway, so Dave over here, when he comes back, you'll probably see him come up here, but he's got big muscles. But anyway, so... Um, um, so we'll need to sign up, and so in the back there, um, Dave will be there. How many are glad you're in church this morning? You know, I'm really, really glad that you came. If you wouldn't come, I'd be preaching to empty chairs, which I did for a few months during COVID, but I'm so glad you came. It's awesome to see you, and um, I know that God's going to do great things for you in this message. I titled this message, The Reason for Hope, and notice I didn't say a reason for hope, but the reason for hope. I just want you to know this, that if you could ever get uh, hope down in your life, where you are practicing hope on a regular basis, where you are thinking hopeful thoughts, not, not just like, um, you know, frivolous, uh, happy thoughts, you know, not like that, but I mean hope thoughts that are based on Scripture. Because the Bible says that the Scriptures give us a reason for hope, and um, and so if, you could get, if your thought life could line up with Scripture and be, and, be, and be hopeful, that would be one of the most major breakthroughs in your life. Because the Bible, when it describes the armor of God, it says, when it talks about the helmet, it says it's the hope of salvation. And so a lot of Christians don't wear their helmet. They walk around with no helmet on. And you need, to, you need to have your helmet on, otherwise you're vulnerable to, to satanic attack. And so if you could get that down, where you walk around and you have hopeful thoughts. I mean, sometimes people have the worst thoughts. And, and it's like, are you an atheist or what? I mean, come on. We serve a God who triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He's seated in heaven, rules over all. Come on. Get your hope on. Get your, get your hope on. And... Um, and so if you could master that, it would be the biggest breakthrough in your life. You know, it's interesting when we talk about, because it's the weekend that we celebrate the death of Christ and his resurrection. But when you talk about the, the death of Christ, you know, we look back on the, the whole situation, his death, his resurrection, his exaltation. And we just go, we, we're grateful, we're, we're excited. But if, the thing is that if you lived at the time of Christ's death and you were living each moment it would not be to you a very hopeful moment when Jesus died. In fact, when you look at the posture of how the disciples acted after Christ's death, you can see that they did not expect him to rise from the dead. They did not see the, his death, his crucifixion as a good thing. They, they didn't see it as like, oh, this is, we're right on track. They saw it as a terrible thing. In fact, look at how they acted. You know, Peter said, I'm going back to fishing. And some of the other disciples went with him. Some started streaming out of Jerusalem. It is clear, even when they heard that he had risen, they go, Thomas goes, 
And I think it's cruel what we do to Thomas, but Thomas goes, unless I see and put my finger, I'm not going to believe. And so you can see that their, their hope level or their expectation was zero. In fact, they had lost everything because they had based their whole lives on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the king of Israel, that he was the, he was the one going to set up his kingdom. They had based everything on that. They'd followed him for three years. They had forsaken everything to follow him. And then to stand there and watch him die, I mean, all hope was gone. I mean, they were totally devastated. They were totally uh, filled with anxiety, to fear. They were totally bewildered. You can imagine that they had based everything on that. And Jesus had been in tight situations before, and he's hanging there on the cross, and people are jeering him, and they're mocking him, and they, they're saying he saved others, himself he cannot save, which tells you something about when your enemies say he saved others. That's quite a thing when your enemies testify for you. And then he, they said, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and we will believe. And don't you think that the disciples were standing there saying, yes, come down from the cross, end this agony, end this suffering. Don't you think they were saying that? And then they laid him in a tomb. And I'm telling you, these, these people were devastated. Now we look back and say, just hang around. Sunday's coming. Right? But if you lived it in time, you would be totally dead. And Peter, how he denied Christ, he just felt horrible. Felt so ashamed. It was the worst for the disciples and the followers of Christ. Nobody believed that he was coming out of that grave. It was the worst time for them in the history of their lives. And it was Friday, and there was no hope. But Sunday's coming. And so I want you to think about that sometimes in your life. You know, I'm not saying that everybody has hopeless situations, but a lot of times we, come, we encounter hopeless situations. I don't know if you've ever had this happen where, where you, were, you were in a hopeless situation in the past, and you just thought, there's no hope for this situation. There's no way out. I can't get out of this situation. It's totally impossible. And then a couple of years later, you're out of the situation. It turned out for good. And you're looking back and you go, oh, thank God. But in the moment, in the time, you, you get captured by hopelessness. And so you might be in a hopeless situation. I've been in several hopeless situations facing something that was hopeless. I just want you to know, it may be Friday in your life, but Sunday is a coming. Sunday is a coming. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible promises us that he works all things together for good. This may be a, you know, you think about uh, making, I, I'm not much of a baker. I, I'm a pretty good cook. My wife tells me I'm an awesome cook, but I think she just says that so I'll cook the food. I'm not stupid. I mean, I, I am Norwegian, but I'm not stupid. I'm one of the smarter Norwegians. But, but you know what? So, so I'm not really a baker. I don't do a lot of baking. But from what I understand is there, when you put, a, like you're going to make a cake, of course we have sugar. Sugar is wonderful. It tastes wonderful. But there's actually some things that you put in the baking ingredients that are not wonderful. They don't taste wonderful, like baking soda. I guess you'd put baking soda in. I don't even know why. Why are you throwing baking soda in? This stuff tastes terrible. It's horrible. 
My wife goes, you got to throw baking soda in. Or, I think it's baking soda. Is it baking soda? You got to throw baking soda in. And so that's how life is. When God says I, he works all things for good, he doesn't say everything is good. How many know not everything is good? There's some baking soda in the ingredients. There's some Fridays. There's some hopeless situations. There's some things I wish that it wasn't going through. There's some mountains I'm facing. There's some trials I'm facing. I, wa- I hope, I wish that wasn't the case. But he's going to work all things together. for good. He's going to mix it up. And you're going to have yourself a cake. Now, personally, I don't like chocolate cake. Yeah. You see what my wife's up against. She loves chocolate. I, I got to get off this. I got a long ways to go in my sermon here, but you know what I like? I like white cake with white frosting. I feel like speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Even when I'm, I go to, that's the best part of a wedding. Is a, You got white cake with white frosting, don't you? <laughs> what a disappointment. It is. When they have brown cake with black frog, whatever. Anyways, get off of that point. But anyways, my point is that not everything is good, but what we have to believe is everything will work together for good because you are awesome in God's eyes. And that is the gospel truth. Amen. I don't know where to go from here. It's Friday. I'm going to say that several times in this sermon. It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. You want to hear a funny story? I was at a church in Chicago one time, and they had just paid off a mortgage or a debt. And so they made the announcement. It was, it was a, like a Puerto Rican, or it, was, it wasn't a white church. It was some uh, ethnic church. And they had rhythm. I mean, they had rhythm. You realize us Norwegians, we don't have a lot of rhythm. I mean, some of us do. Some of us get a little crazy, but most of us are like, we're like stick men. You know, it's like, raise your hands. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Clap your hands. Are we supposed to be doing this? I mean, <laughs> and, and so I went, we went to this church. And so they, they, we had just, our, in the church here, we had just paid off this huge mortgage. I think it was on the Destiny Center. And it was a gigantic mortgage, and we paid it off. So I got up to the Sunday morning and announced to the church, we paid off the mortgage, and they all go, you know, they clap, you know. And so that's fine. So then I went to this Puerto Rican church, and so they had just paid off a mortgage. And so they had the organ going. <laughs> and they thought it couldn't be done. But God broke through. And they're just like, man, they took about 20 minutes to announce they paid off the mortgage. And they had the organ going. They had the string instruments going. They had everybody going. They're all jumping up, jerking, throwing things in the air. And I'm going, there's something different about when. <laughs> so, I, so I came back to church the next Sunday. And I said, we got to. <laughs> so I said, Trish, get on that organ. <laughs> I want you to know, Trish. Everybody's looking around like, what are we doing here? It was hilarious. It's just, I just did not capture the moment. Finally, I just gave up, you know. 
I think Trisha's trying to play just a closer walk with you or something. I don't know. (laughs) But you might be facing, you know, it's interesting how much God cares about you and how God will come down to where you're at to rescue you. That's the message of the of the, the, the death of Christ, the cross, and the resurrection. That God stooped down in the cross to where you were identified with you, not only in your humanity, but he identified with you in your sin and bondage. He totally and completely identified with you in order that he might lift you, in order that he might raise you, in order that he might bring you back to himself, in order that you might have a blessed and a prosperous life. That's why he raised you. That's why he came to this earth. He didn't come for himself. He came over. He, he was on a rescue mission. He was coming after you and I. You know, there's a story when Stan here was preaching for me one Sunday. He talked about this woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. And I won't be as raw as Stan was. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting. But there's one point that I want you to see about that story. That's so powerful. You know, they, they caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And so she was caught red-handed. She was guilty. And the law says, you, you need to stone her. She needs to die. And so they brought her to Jesus. And this woman is basically on death row. She has no hope whatsoever of a future. Because she was caught red-handed. She was condemned to die. She, all of her executioners were standing around holding a rock, ready for Jesus to say, yes, she needs to die. And so when, when they brought her to Jesus, you know what it says that Jesus did? It says that Jesus stooped down. When I read that, I thought, isn't that interesting? Jesus, he didn't go, he didn't, he he's the only one that could have stood up higher because he was the only sinless one in that group. But it says that he stooped down. And I think that's a prophetic picture. I think what what he was signifying by saying that is that he was stooping down to the very depths of depravity to rescue humanity. And he stooped down and he began to write in in the ground. Don't you wish you knew what he wrote? You know, you think about it. He said he took his finger and he began to write in in the ground. You know, the other time that God wrote with his finger was when he gave the Ten Commandments. It said the Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone with the finger of God. It says that Moses went up into the mountain. He went up into the mountain and he received the tablets of stone written with the finger of God. But when Jesus was confronted with broken humanity, he stooped down. And that is the message of the cross is that he came down to where we were that he might lift us up to where he is. Isn't that good news? You know, I like these songs where it says, it was, it was so dark, and out of the darkness I called his name, and lights begin to break forth. That song we just sang. Can't figure, remember the words. You don't want me to sing anyways. But I, because when I, re, when I sing that song, I get teary-eyed, because that's what happened to me. I had spent years in darkness, and it was, my life was so frustrating because I was raised in the church, but I just had no willpower. I had no strength to live a Christian life. I had no strength to overcome the demons that were in my life. I just had no strength whatsoever. And, and having an encounter, I get this, on New Year's Eve night, 1971, I met some Christians and they started witnessing and talking about Jesus. And I knew a couple of, I knew one of them, 
And he, he was like me. We were both church kids, and we were ho- horrible kids. I was a horrible kid. And we would sneak out and do all kinds of stuff. I won't even go into it. But anyways, but he, he, he had become a Christian. And I'm just like stunned. Like, you, you're a what? You're not one of them. You're one of us, aren't you? No, I'm one of them. And I was just, and I remember how impacted as they were witnessing to somebody else and talking to me about my need for salvation, how I was so impacted by that. And I remember going home in the middle of the night, laying there, trying to go to sleep. I thought, I don't want to try this again, Christian thing again. I just can't do it. And I remember the conviction on my heart was so great. And I was all alone. It was in the dark. And I cried out in the dark. And I remember that in that moment, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, stooped down. And into that darkness, he brought the light. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. There is no impossible situations. There are only, there's only impossible thinking. There's no impossible circumstances. There's only impossible thinking. And with God, all things are possible. Right. Our hope, our thought life needs to be glistening with hope. You know, Paul, when he talked about, he talked about that we've been justified. That means be made righteous by faith. Not by what we do, but by faith. We're made righteous by faith. And then he said, we stand in God's grace and we rejoice in hope of seeing the glory of God. And then he said, he said, not only do we rejoice in, in, in hope of seeing the glory of God, but he said, we also rejoice in suffering. And I thought, what in the world? What a crazy statement that is. But he, what convinced Paul that things are going to turn out for our good, what convinced Paul of that was the cross. Because the preceding verse says that Jesus, and let's look at the verse. i got to read a verse here because I've been blowing up my notes here. You guys okay still? It says, he was handed over. This is Romans 4, verse 25. He was handed over because of our sin. Everybody say, our sin. See, being handed over means he was crucified for our sins. Because of our sins. Our sin, not his sin. He was sinless. Our sin. He identified with our sin. He totally identified with us in our humanity. He became one of us. Philippians chapter 2, actually Neil was reading it. It says that he laid aside his mighty power and glory. And in humility, he took upon himself humanity. Can you imagine that? I remember one day I was meditating on that, and all of a sudden it hit me. And sometimes I get a little crazy, you know, I get a little excited. Usually I'm, I'm a Norwegian, you know. Stiff as a board, you know. Something, I'm really excited about something, I go, hey, that's really great. <laughs> but every once in a while, every once in a while, I must be a mixed breed or something, but I get excited. I might get excited this morning, you never, you never know. I've actually, in the middle of a sermon, ran around the church. It's hard to see right now, isn't it? I know some of you are thinking, please don't do that right now. But I remember I was meditating on that. All of a sudden, it hit me. God became a man. I know that just the light came on. In the person of Jesus, God became a man. He became one of us. But the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 said... Not only did he become one of us as a humanity, but he stooped even further and became one with our sin. 
He became one with our torment. He became one with our shame. He became one with our separation from God. He, he had fully identified with every torment, every difficulty, every insult, everything that you are going through right now. He fully identified it, not so that he could just say, yeah, well, that's too bad, buddy, but so that he could lift, lift you up, lift you out of that. You know, I heard a story one time about a pastor. He was, um, he'd taken his family to the beach, and he had like four kids or something. And I remember he had one kid named Mark. And uh, I, I remember he said that, you know how, how you, you got a bunch of kids, you know, that you, you kind of stop, you have to start counting, you know what I mean? We had five, so we're going, you can't just go look, look generally because there's so many of them. They're like, and they're moving like, like ants, you know, and so you got you to gotta count them, you know. Some people make fun of that, you know, people with, Got their kids on ropes, you know. But I relate to that totally. I mean, you know, ever seen that? You got the ever seen kids walking around? They got it's kind of funny, but they got a lot of kids, you know. You got to keep track of them. But, but so this this pastor told a story about he he was went to the beach with his wife, and so you know it goes it goes like this. He had to go back to get a bunch of stuff for the beach. And so they were going like, okay, you take this kid, I'll take this. You know how that goes, you know, your parents. And then so they got mixed up on Mark. And so the, the mother saw Mark going with the father, but the father had said, take Mark <clears throat> with you. And so when he comes back with all this stuff, he goes, where's Mark? I thought he went with you. No, I told him to go with you. So then they start looking. And if you've ever lost a kid, you know the panic. It's horrible. But the point of the story was, that he would go around to people on the beach and say, did you see a little kid? And they go, no, no I didn't see one. Well, I lost my little kid. I lost my little kid. He's a little boy. And they go, well, I, I, I sure hope you find him. They were sympathetic, but they did nothing. You could just take a few minutes, get off your, and just take a few minutes and help me look for this kid. But they all said, boy, I feel bad for you, but I sure hope you find him. Nobody lifted a hand. They actually found the kid. He was a mile down the beach. He's just walking around going, hey, you know, <laughs> I know mom's around here somewhere, you know. <laughs> Dumber than a buck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they found the kid. They found the beach patrol that helped them search for him. They found the kid a mile away. But my point is, is that all those people on the beach were sympathetic, but they did not lift a hand. God is not just sympathetic. He doesn't just look at you and say, gee, golly, I feel bad for you. Hope it works out. That's not how God is. The Bible says that he fully identified with us. He lifted the burden of sin. He lifted the burden of shame. He lifted the burden, whatever torments you. He lifted it off of your shoulders. And it says he brought it and put it on the cross. And he paid the penalty for it. Amen. So that you could go free. Put that verse back up again. It says he... He was handed over to death to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Everybody should say, wow. wow. That wasn't very good. but <laughs> He was raised to life. See, here's the thing. If you, if you look, if, you, if, if they would have known, they, would, they should have stood there in the garden on the third day and said, if he comes out of that grave, 
will be established in right standing with God. If he comes out of that grave, we'll be new creatures in Christ. If he comes out of that grave, sins will be forgiven. If he comes out of that grave, we'll have a robe of righteousness. If he comes out of that grave, we'll be more than conquerors. If he comes out of that grave, we'll be assured of a bodily resurrection. If he comes out of that grave, we know that all things will work together for our good. If he comes out of that grave, but instead they were hiding. They should have been watching that grave because if he comes out of that grave, he's saying that I will establish you in right standing with God. Not what you do, but what I Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is life transformation. Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is life transformation. He totally identified with us in our sin, that we could totally identify with him in his righteousness, in his resurrection. Isn't that good news? I want you to look at another passage of scripture here. In 1 John chapter 2, let's look at this verse. It says in verse 1, My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now get this next phrase. He is the propitiation for our sins. I like that word. Propitiation. It's a word that I use a lot. When I'm at home, I go, Trish, can you get some propitiation going on here? No, I don't use it at all. And we don't use it, do we? How many have ever heard that word before outside of church? You don't hear that word, propitiation. What kind of word is that? It says he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, the word propitiation means, it means the appeasement of wrath. That's what it means, the appeasement of wrath. Religions, they used to offer their children in sacrifice to appease the gods, to appease the wrath of the gods. But here the Bible says that Christ is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. It doesn't mean the whole world's saved, it just means it's been provided for. They have to come and accept it by faith. But it's been provided. He, he is the appeasement of wrath. You know what, that verse, and we sing that song when I was a kid. Are you guys still okay? I'm trying to look at that clock. I know you guys have dinner plans. I can't really see it very good, but... Is, are we still doing okay? You t you, we're not? When I was a kid, you know, we had a lot of different things that we dealt with. But um, I, I just never saw God as somebody, you know, it's like I kind of viewed God as, you know, the type of person that, you know, it's like he, he's pretty mad all the time. Pretty much. And, and, and I thought, well, if I ever did make it to heaven, he would, I'd come in the door and he'd say, how did you get in? You know what I mean? Don't you feel that way? It's kind of like, you're a real jerk, you know that? I mean, he didn't really do a lot down there except screw things up. Okay, get in here. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. You know, that's kind of how I viewed God. But, but we, used to, we used to always see God as a wrath-filled God. And we, we, would, we would, you know, if something bad happened, we'd just say, it's an act of God. We even have that in our insurance policies. You're covered for this, for that, and an act of God. That means any other, anything other that you can't explain, it's just an act of God. God got so mad. I was going to say pissed, but I, 
we're in church and it's Easter for Pete's sakes. I mean, come on. He, got, he gets so mad. Finally, he is, he's like, he waits and he waits. He's going, and finally, and just, you know, but it says that Jesus, he changed the screen. Jesus, I was trying to make a point of about propitiation. He is the propitiation, the appeasement of wrath. When I was, this is what I was going to say. I got sidetracked. But remember that song? When, some of you may remember this. If you've been in the charismatic, it says, lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. Lift him up for the world to see. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw men unto Remember that song? Actually, that song is based on something that's not scriptural. Now, I think we should lift Jesus higher. Don't misunderstand me. But that verse, when he said, he said, if you lift me up, I will draw all peoples to me. The word peoples is italicized, meaning that it was added by the translators. He said, I will draw all to me. He's saying, I will draw all wrath to me, all the wrath of God for sin. I will draw it to me if you lift me up. And he's talking about being crucified. On the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. On the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. That means God's not mad. That's why Paul said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace. Thank you, sister in the front row with a new shirt. Peace. We have peace. That means what? The war's over. Turn to your neighbor and say, the war's over. What war? The war between you and God. It's over. He settled the war. He ended the war. He ended the hostility. He ended it at the cross in the resurrection. He ended it. And he established peace with you through Jesus. Now he says, come and be reconciled to God. Let me give you one last passage. And then we'll... Try to conclude. I actually have two more. You guys can take two more, right? So look, you know, it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't know if I put this one up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 or 19. It says that it was God. This is the amplified version. It says it was God. I memorized it. It was God personally present in Christ. It was God personally present in the Christ on the cross. It was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to friendship and favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but what? Canceling them. What did he do? Canceled them. In Christ, what did he do? He canceled them. All the things, if you were going to a court case and you had all these charges against you. And the judge goes, we're canceling all your charges against you. You go, oh. He canceled them. And he says he committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. The restoration to friendship and favor. God established, reconciled you to himself in Jesus Christ. That's one of the things he was doing there on the cross. So what is our reason to hope? Our reason to hope is that God stooped down. God stooped down and met us at the point of our need. I want to give you one last verse. So the reason for hope is even though it could be Friday in your lives, Sunday's coming. 
One last verse. Turn over here to Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. I actually committed it to memory, but then I forget. I need to be pumped. I mean, need me hump. You know, I get stuck, and then I need, oh, yeah, that's right. But Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, I like this. I might get excited. Just warning you ahead of time. I might start spitting. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us. Woo. I mean, no matter who you are, that ought to make you excited if you're a Christian. If God, if God is for us. If God is for us, it may be Friday, but Sunday's the coming. Why? Because God is for us. Get that music going. It may be Friday, but Sunday's the coming because God is for us. Amen. It may be Friday in your life. You may be without hope right now. It may be Friday, but Sundays are coming because God is for us. <laughs> Who can be against us? Do you want to try that organ? You don't want to try? Yeah, I'm serious. Try it. Just, let's just try it. It can go either way here. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get you converted to Norwegian. If God is for us. Let's try it one more. I'll end quickly after this so you don't have to stay up there very long. Just like, uh, like the blues or something. I don't know. <laughs> what shall we say to these things? You might be in a Friday. You say, and everything's looking bad, and, and you're going to have dinner with some crazy relatives in just a few minutes. It may be Friday. It may be Friday. But Sundays are coming. I got a deja vu thing going on here. This is what happened before. It may be Friday. You may be looking at terrible situations, a bad doctor's report, a bad financial report, a bad future, but it's just Friday. God is for us till Sunday's coming. <laughs> is it too much pressure? I can't say it anymore. I said it enough. Now listen to this. Well, we'll keep trying to find something. <laughs> if, since God is for us, turn to your neighbor and say, God's for you. God is for you. See, what we think is we, see, we have circumstances that are adverse, and we say, well, this must be God. No, that circumstances, Paul himself said, we go through suffering, we go through all kinds of things, but we glory in it because God's for us. We're going, to pull, we're going to come through this. It's going to work for our good because God's for us. Since God is for us. Who can be against us? Now listen to this next phrase. Sunday's coming. 
It's Friday for Lauren right now. <laughs> Sunday's coming. Now listen to this. He who did not spare his own son. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. It's better than nothing. <laughs> he who did not spare his own son. Man, I don't know if you're getting excited, but I'm getting excited. Is there one labeled excitement? <laughs> he that spared not his own son. He that sp Just think about that for a minute. He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Glory. My God, I can hardly stand it. All things. With him freely give us all things. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. Amen. So let me bring this to a close. I know you got to get to your relatives. Experience your Friday. I'm kidding, of course. It's just a joke. Don't get offensive. He gave us all things. That's why Paul's sitting there going, he goes, we stand in the grace of God. I stand in the grace of God. And I hope for the glory of God to show up. I stand in the grace of God. That's God's favor. I stand in his favor. He, 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 it's like when I walk in the room, sunshine walks in the room. You say, not when you walk in the room. That's, I'm telling you how God thinks. I'm not telling you how you think. God goes, I, see, I envision my home going. It's not like I used to think when I was growing up, oh, it's you. Get in here. I look at my home going as like when he sees me, he goes, Steve, hi, so glad to see you. That's how I envision my home going. And you should too because you say, well, I'm not that great of a person. But if you're washed in the blood, he sees you as perfect in his eyes. He who did not withhold his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How? So basically he's saying, what wouldn't he give you? That's, reason, that's the reason for hope, no matter what you're going through. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> when Jesus came out of that grave, what it meant. You know, the Bible... The Bible says this. It says that if the rulers of this age, and that's talking about Satan and his cohorts, if the rulers of this age, if they would have understood the wisdom of God, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Think about that. If the rulers of this age, well, so why, what, what was so bad about on them is they lost their grip on you. 
They lost control over you. All they have now is just if they can deceive you into believing they have power over you. That's all they have on you now. Because the rulers of this age, if they had known that the wisdom of God, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. God was set in a trap. And he got himself a big rat. That's why in the resurrection he said, said to Satan, I'll take the keys. Death, hell, and the grave, I'll take them. Took the keys. Now Satan has no power over your life unless you give it to him. He has no right over you. You are a child of God. You've been justified. You've been declared righteous. When God sees you, he sees you clothed. If you're a Christian, he sees you clothed in the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's how he sees you, and that's how he'll handle you. That's how he'll treat you. That's why it says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers avail much. The problem with most Americans is that we want immediate. We don't realize that God has to work things, but he works things together for our good. Amen. Praise God. Do you have a song we could sing? I see the sun waking up the morning, reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise, reminding me that there's a coming of praise for heaviness.
you give a loud roar, a resurrection shout for me? Praise God. Thank you, God. Well, it's been awesome being with you today. It really has. And we want you to be prayed for if you need prayer for anything. So the work of the uh, prayer counselors could come forward. You're a great looking bunch of people, I'll tell you that. Some of the best looking people in Grant, Ottertail, Douglas County. Right here, in this room, right here. Yeah, really, I checked. I looked around. <laughs> I've been around the whole place. Ooh, <laughs> you need to stay in a dark room. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that to him. But we're so glad that you're here. And so if you do need prayer for like a physical need or spiritual or anything, you need somebody to agree with you about some prayer request, as soon as I dismiss, please make your way forward. We do have some refreshments, but I just, so I hope you to join us in fellowship, but I just hope you have the most amazing Resurrection Day celebration because he did it for you, man. He did it for you because he thinks you're awesome. You may not always act awesome, but he thinks you're awesome. That's how he sees you. Amen. God bless you all. You're free to go. Have a great day.